do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting to Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today because I have with me Roger Wheelock. He is the president of Greater Than I Ministries, which is a nonprofit established for the purpose of providing creative biblical worldview teaching materials uh, to Christian churches and homeschools here in the U.S. He's an ordained pastor and worship leader, over 30 years of intimate experience in Christian leadership. He's also married with Uh, children, grandchildren, uh, living and enjoying life in Texas while doing ministry. But probably the the most important thing, he is a Christ follower who loves the Lord and really wants to see uh, the name of Jesus glorified. Two quick items before we get to our interview. First, if you go to our website at entrustingthefaith.com, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our weekly emails so you know who is coming up on the podcast for the week and who you may have missed the previous week. Uh, you'll also get a free resource when you do, and you can find all our other podcasts on our website while you're there. Feel free to scroll through them, find other interviews uh, to really help you along the way. Uh, second, this episode is just brought to you by my book, Leading While at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. So if you've ever thought, man, I want to be a godly husband or father, I don't know where to start, or you've heard that you need to do something to equip your family, but you just don't know where to begin, well, if this is you or you know anybody you know, Leading While at Home will show you how you can love Jesus Christ, love and serve your wife and children, and take responsibility for discipling your family. You'll be encouraged and given action steps that you can apply so that you're moving forward. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor, privilege. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, so before we get into Greater Than I Ministries, because you guys have some really neat stuff that I want to make sure we uh, we introduce the audience to, would you share a little bit about, about your background or what led, you know, sort of led up to Greater Than I Ministries? Sure. Yeah, that's a big part of our ministry. Um, really, until I was 30, I, I didn't even hear hardly ever uh, the name of Jesus. The home that I grew up in, uh, the only time I heard it really was in a derogatory manner. And uh, so there I was at the age of 30. I was on the edge of divorce with a one-year-old child. And God just kind of reached into my life, pulled me out of the rock and roll lifestyle that I was deeply embedded in, saved my marriage, um, saved my family, and lifted me up over the course of the next few years to become a worship leader uh, in the church then that we began attending. And then he began a process of that 35 years of sending us sort of on a sojourn, on a, on a helicopter ride over Christianity in a sense. He sent us into five denominations, uh, sort of as um, musicianaries. Uh, as worship leaders and kind of sharing this type of worship that we had learned where we were at. And we wondered why, because why God was doing this providentially, it was always providentially. 
It wasn't because we wanted to leave a church or because they wanted us to leave. It was God moving. It was obvious. And um, we, we wondered why. And about 10 years ago, we kind of looked around and we recognized why. It was so that God would give us a, a bird's eye view of, of the church as a whole. And what we saw was in every one of the denominations, every one of the congregations we were involved in, we saw pretty much the same thing. Um, divorces, rampant, losing children, ha hand over fist to the world. Uh, and I mean, it, we saw this in living color, best friends of ours, um, best friends of my, my, my children when they were growing up, all walking away by the time they left um, high school. And, and of course we mourned and we wondered why. I saw that the statistics bore out what we saw, 70 to 90% of all those who professed their faith in their high school years uh, reject the faith by their second year in college. And we've seen that happening. And we just mourned. What, what, and then at the same time, we watched the culture devolve terribly over these last 35 years. So we wondered why. And my son and I, who's my son is a real scholar, and he and I then began to do a, a deep dive uh, into the Bible and into history to find out why. Because we, we knew it wasn't always like this. Uh, we knew something had changed radically, and we didn't know how, what, what happened and why. And we found out that the reason is that the church, which built America, we were the ones responsible for creating the America that we knew because of the education system that we built. Uh, I can get into more of that a little bit later, but um, bottom line is we abandoned that sphere of influence that we had over all of America during the 1800s. Uh, we gave over the education to the state. Uh, the humanists jumped in to fill that void really quickly. We turned our attention away from discipleship and onto evangelism. So the Bible doesn't call us to make that our first purpose. Our first purpose is to make sure that we educate the next generation. Otherwise, it won't last. He says that very clearly in Deuteronomy. So we, we realized that that void was taken up by the humanists. And we've been boiling like frogs in water ever since. Uh, so we, we saw the key to discipleship, really, of families. It begins in the pulpits with the pulpits encouraging, equipping us to do the work of the ministry. And there's no greater ministry that parents have than raising their children up in the ways of the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve, he says. And he, then he says over and over again, if you obey my laws, I will bless you. And America certainly did uh, experience those blessings like no, ever, no nation ever in history. But then when you turn, he says, if you, if you choose to reject my principles, then you will receive all the consequences. We're living in the consequences right now. So that's what got us to develop, to, to have a heart to create this, this ministry that we have. Wow. That is a, just a powerful testimony, powerful story to what 
uh, to God's redemption and, and his work. Now, it's beautiful. I love that. And so would you tell us a little bit about what is Greater Than I Ministries? Well, our focus, again, is, is on teaching biblical worldview. Um, we, we found in those 35 years, my son and I would debate all the time or talk about messages and trying to figure out what's, what's going on. And we came to the conclusion that um, a biblical worldview was what was taught in the very beginning. I mean, the, the uh, Puritans, the pilgrims within 20 years of landing, they established Harvard, the Christian church, the churches as a whole created the first 100 universities in America. Do we see that happening today? Mm. <laughs> no, we don't, not anywhere near it. So we knew that was a hint. And what did they do in those early years of education? They created what we call now, the, at least what was then the liberal arts curriculum, which was using the Bible as their fundamental source Okay, today, everybody, open up your Bible. We're going to study economics. I'd like you to dig through your scriptures and find out what the fundamental principles are of economics in scripture. And then we're going to compare those to what we've seen in the last 5,000 years-ish of, of human civilization, what man's reasoning has come up with and, and what God promises when you go do it his way versus what you do, what happens when you see it their way. And so that's a, that's as, that's a biblical worldview. Uh, for us, we divide life into 12 areas. Um, we're not the first ones to do anything like this. Many people have done usually an average of about 10 areas, but we've got 12. And so what we do is we divide life into the first area is what is a, what is a worldview? Why does it matter? And, and a worldview is basically a religion. It's an ideology. It's the lens through which you view all of life. It's those ideas and principles that you've latched onto that you believe that you need to go to anytime you have to have an answer. So it's the fundamentals. So that's what a biblical worldview is. Everybody has one. An atheist has one. Everybody has it. So then we, we, we then go into um, the biblical worldview of history, theology, philosophy, economics, science, psychology, um, ethics, sociology, law, politics, and education. So in each one of those, we've, we, my son and I, delved with other ministries' help. We've found out, you know, really where the go-to scriptures to, to define what the fundamental doctrines are of scripture in each one of those areas. But, and this is important, this is the missing element. <laughs> because I, I will say this, um, the schools, when they were taken over by the humanists, by the Marxists, they want to propagandize, right? They want you only to think of one, one way. They want to want you to view life only from their prism. Bertrand Russell, 
if you're familiar with him, uh, 1950s area, uh, philosopher, writer, educator. He said, where all children go to school and all schools are controlled by the government, the authorities can effectively close the minds of the young to everything contrary to what they consider to be official orthodoxy. In education, he said, should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting any way otherwise contrary to how their schoolmasters would have wished. So they'll be so thoroughly indoctrinated that they can't even consider another worldview. Now, it's interesting. How? How do they do that? God put us in a world of contrasts, Eric. We have night and day. We have truth and false. We have light and dark, right and wrong. Um, Everything is contrasting. God put us in this for a reason, good and evil, so that we could distinguish one from the other. Hebrews 5.14 makes it very clear that that when we graduate from milk, from the elementary doctrines of Christianity, which is how to get saved, what salvation mean? Now, once we're saved, we are here now for a purpose. And what is that? Now it's to glorify God through the, the works that God has created us to do since before the beginning, right? So he wants us to be able to Train our minds, this is what Hebrews 5 says, to train our minds to be able to um, uh, see the difference, um, discern, distinguish between right and wrong. That's clear from Hebrews. So if we want to graduate from those elementary principles, we need to move to this point. So we can't see the difference between right and wrong until it's shown to us. You can't, you can't discern between two ideas if you're only given one. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah. So that's what the schools have been doing, and that's why they've, they, they, our society has been dumbed down. At, at the time of the signing of the Constitution, and you probably know this, but at the time of the signing of the Constitution, America was the most literate nation the world had ever seen by far. We were over 95% literate. And that's not just, you know, um, borderline literate. That is what we would consider brilliant literate. If you read the writings of just the farmers back in those days, you see how literate they were. I mean, they understood. And they were, they had their eyes wide open, their whole perspective. They knew they were responsible, not just for themselves, but they were responsible for their brothers, for all of society. That's the way they were trained through those Christian schools and one-room schoolhouses. So getting back to the point, what's missing is the contrasts. What we saw in our 35 years is most churches really just teaching salvation messages over and over and over. You know, they I'm not saying all of them, and, and I'm not even putting down what they did, because I realize 
that they learned from example, they learned from seminaries. This has been, we've been boiling like this slowly, gradually for four generations. I mean, my parents sent me to public school. His parents sent, my, their parents sent them uh, and their parents before them. So we used to this and gradually bit by bit, the church started looking just like the public schools. We just, we just preach the gospel. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about social issues. We just preach the gospel. Now that, I get that. The gospel of salvation, yes, everybody's got to preach that. But the gospel is every word of the Bible. He is the living word, Jesus is. He is the word. He is the one who gave us the Bible, every single word. And so from beginning to end, we were being taught through contrasts, through examples, through principles. God says, obey my laws and these will, you'll be blessed. If you disobey these, this law, this is what you're going to get. We're not getting that. And we're not seeing it in our culture. The Puritans called it um, building bridges. Uh, um, building bridges that, that bring together scripture and reality. So taking scripture, and as you teach through scripture, there's all kinds of examples in everyday life that, that the pastor or the teacher can use to show, here is a principle, you know, that is presented here in the Bible, and you can apply it right here, right now, on, in this issue, right now, that is eating up the church, because we don't understand how to think through the ideas. So that's a biblical worldview. That's what we want to do with each one of our, each one of our tools. Okay. And does that kind of what you're addressing there, you think that's the sort of that a big reason that we'll call it Christian education has kind of lost its edge. It's kind of, I don't want to say watered down, but it just sort of feels, you know, as you're talking, it feels like there's this weakening of it, which is that kind of what. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think Eric, that, that, that is, Again, and, and all I can do is just, you know, convey my witness. I, I just, there's no way that I believe that, and my family's the same way, that God would have sent us on this journey if he didn't want us to show something, show us something that most people don't see. Most people aren't in the, um, the, the position of leadership. I mean, I, I was in leadership among um five churches. I occupied the, the platform, the stage for at least one third of the services. Um, I was so deep involved in ministry. And yet I was, sometimes I was on staff most of the time. I was working as a layman, a general contractor. I'm out there dealing with people every day and I'm watching. I mean, I'm having to deal with the issues. And so my son and I are having to look at, okay, what does the Bible say about this issue? So we learned that. And then at the end of all of this sojourn, and we've developed these ministries, uh, we finally latched on to some, we found that there is a whole network of ministries that have taken anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 years doing the same thing that we've been doing, but in a different manner, developing worldview, biblical worldview teaching for the church and for home. So uh, I'm, I'm again, again, if I may just go back yeah. to that, that um, 
principle. Hebrews 5.14 says, solid food is for the mature who by constant practice have their senses, their powers of discernment, trained to distinguish between good and evil. Mm. We're losing our society hand over fist because our people haven't been trained to, to disseminate, to think through, to discern between bad ideas and good ideas. And I'm sure you recognize we're getting eaten up by bad ideas. They have taken over in the culture. I mean, not just bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost a level of insanity, isn't it, what we're saying? I mean, teaching young boys and girls that they can choose their gender. I mean, that's happening everywhere. And you think that it's not going to affect your school district? I'm sorry. It's already there. You, it's just being disguised in different ways. So we need to know who the enemy is and how he's fighting us. First and foremost, we need to know who our God is. So we really do need to understand his doctrines and where they apply. And, and then, then we need to be very aware of the wiles of the devil. And these, we, our purpose is to get people graduated to the point. And we believe that our, like our video series, an example, can, can uh, completely indoctrinate an entire family or a church in how to think biblically in those 12 areas of life. Uh, and not just indoctrinate them uh, regarding the doctrines of the Bible and scripture, but inoculate them. Inoculate them against those ideas that are taking us captive. A true vaccine had always been in the past that they would put a little bit of the virus in you and your body then would send its, it would learn what it's made of and how to destroy it. Once it was destroyed in the body, it would never be able to attack you or harm you again. That's the magnificent, marvelous design of God in, in our bodies. So in this case, we do the same thing with ideas. So when we bring in a little bit of the bad stuff so that we can see what it is and we look at it and we force all the students you know, going through the, the curriculum to think, here's, Bible, here's God's ideas, here's what the enemy is saying. And we use history, we use um, statistics, a lot of statistics, a lot of history, a lot of history, and then, and then logic. And we force the students to battle with those ideas. So you battle against them while you're there in your home or the safe environment of your church. And then when you're done, you've been inoculated. The devil is not creative. He uses the same tools over and over and over again. He just repackages them, puts a little perfume on them, makes them smell a little better, whatever. <laughs> and, and our whole purpose is to learn to be able to, to discern those, mm -hmm. to see a billboard and ask your children in the back seat, even if they're six years old, what are they trying to get you to do, honey? What's their purpose? And is this something that Jesus would want you to, to desire? to covet in a sense, you know? So 
that's what we want them to do. We want them to think about the ideas that we're battling. Absolutely. No, that makes perfect sense. Now, you're, you're think, the Thinking Like a Christian video curriculum, is it, what age groups are it designed for? Well, we've had, we've had families, homeschool families with like eight, nine kids in the family or six mm-hmm. or whatever, the youngest being eight, you know, and the okay. oldest being like 18. We've had the eight-year-old come up to our booth and just say, I just loved your series. And, and ask him which one which one did you like the most? He said science. Now, my son, he's got two master's degrees in science. One is in molecular cell biology and that kind of field, and and the other is uh, uh, from Cornell. He got his his degree as a physician assistant, and he loves science, but he also is very fluent in being able to. I'll look at the Greek and 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 translate the Greek into the English from the from the Bible. He loves scripture. And so his arguments in, in, in the science portion aren't like most arguments you'll ever see. Because he's really going right at the foundation. What is their what are their fundamental what are their fundamental uh, their axiom that they build their entire worldview on, at least those who deny Christianity. And then what is the Bible? What's the Bible's fundamental axiom? And so it's, 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 it's really good. It's not too brainy. And it's actually kind of fun in a lot of areas. But um, anyway, so you asked the, the age group. Um, the youngest I've had come up say that, you know, we get more, we get them asking more questions about this as we go through with the family. Again, that's the purpose of these. We want, especially if you do it in a home environment, your entire family is learning at the same time. Everybody's going through this, watching it as a group. Then you stop every 15 minutes or so, and you, you, we have questions for you to ask. And, and you're, you're made to um, question, question the questions, if you will. I um, love that. But anyway, 8 to 18, the average group would, would be 12. Okay. From 12 then to, to adult all through adult. Excellent. We made this for the parents in the pews in the very beginning because we saw so many of the parents not knowing how to do this. And if, you, if the parents can't model it to the kids, kids aren't going to learn it. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Now, you, now, you said you've got like 12 different subject areas, 12 different uh, areas in there. As people start going through these and, and they start learning and they're asking all these questions, are there like one or two that surprise people that you included like in there? Like, you know, are they surprised that you included law or economics or psychology? <laughs> I'm just curious because I think it's wonderful. And I think, yeah, as you yeah. said, it scripture applies to all of life. But I'm just curious as people interact with it, they're like, I never thought you would include whatever. I, I was yeah. just curious what you yeah. thought of what, what your experience is. Actually, been. you know, I, I was thinking about using different titles for them because of that specific reason. Um, but uh, so you're, you're, you're bringing up a great point. And that's the point I, I will mention to anybody who comes by our booth at a homeschool conference or any parent who's asking questions about it. Uh, I, I will say you will be surprised every single one of these topics 
is applicable to a housewife just as much as it is to an engineer. I mean, every single one of them. And examples are, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of like, um, like economics. I mean, of course we know that that is gonna have some sort of thing to play in the household. But I, I will ask pastors, quite often I'll ask, if you were to define the biblical worldview of economics, in say three scriptures, what would they be? And most of the time they go, I, I, I never thought of that. <laughs> and so and then I'll recommend, how about Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. So economics is taken care of right there. If, if you are focusing on doing what the Lord calls you to do. He will always take care of you. He promises that over and over and over again. And I don't know about you and your life, but it was real in my life. I mean, years I went as a, I was working as, as a building up a business and general contracting and, and learning as I went along. And, but I couldn't afford even having health insurance while my youngest three, while my kids were growing up for the first 10 years. Um, and God supernaturally watched over us. We never had a broken arm. I'm not saying that's always gonna be the case, but God will always provide. How many times were there when we, we knew we had to pay our income taxes and I didn't have enough money and God provided a job for exactly the amount of money that I needed to pay my taxes. That happened one time in particular over and over and over again. So now seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these other things will be taken care of. You, it's not up to you to figure out everything. God is the one who's going to pull you in a direction and you just follow that direction and God will take care of you. So the second principle, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> so fundamentally that wipes out uh, right Today, we've got, what, 60% of our kids today think that socialism is the way we ought to go. 60% of millennials. So that wipes socialism right out, right there. Because if you, if you have that kind of philosophy, if you don't work, you don't eat, that's going to wipe out the whole idea of socialism. Um, and there's, there's other principles like that. But then you can compare and contrast those easily against, well, what is the enemy telling you? And then you, 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 it's easy to, when you're all done, you go, say, so you ask the question, which one do you think uh, is going to make the better sense in life? Uh, duh, Christianity's up here. Everything else is way down there. Yeah, so that's, I believe that that's the way that God teaches. As you go through scripture, from the very beginning, he gave Adam and Eve a choice. He didn't just say, do it my way or, or, or that's it. He said, here's a choice. And then throughout scripture, you see, uh, choose life or choose, if not, you're, you will choose death. And these are the blessings. These are the consequences. Now, am, I, am I answering your question? Yeah, no, and that's perfect. Yeah. And I, I think that's important that we we remember that because I think sometimes 
in the churches, we are we we sort of get that idea of there's church and then there's life, and we don't forget that, and we forget that really our walk with the Lord is is everything, and that Scripture really impacts and speaks to all oh, yeah. of life. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's what I was talking about about contrasts and oh, teaching yeah. teaching our idea in a box without allowing those opposing ideas to come in and do the debate inside the walls of the home or the walls of the church so that the people, when they leave, they walk out. They're not going to get the term hoodwinked. <laughs> They're not going to be taken by surprise by some argument or some idea that they've never had to wrestle with. And again, I said spraying perfume Quite often, they look good. They 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 feel good. You know the enemy's ideas, and so we have to be very very. We don't want that. We need to be fully aware. Jesus says, or Paul makes it makes the statement: walk circumspectly. Then circumspect like a circle, right? Circumference. Being aware always of what's going on around you, <clears throat> and then discerning. Should I even step into that realm or should I stay away? Or if I step into it, if I have to, how, what do I need to be armed with to help me do battle in that area of life? I think it's a really good point too. It's that it's making, it's having that perspective of it is a spiritual battle that we are in and that we are facing and that we need to equip ourselves and be vigilant as okay. if, yeah. because clearly satan wants us to think that no we're not right that everything yeah. is is oh, just hunky dory oh yeah yeah absolutely but but i think you what you're saying is a very good point is we need to be very circumspect we need to discern and look around to make sure and, and evaluate is this true is this not yeah and and you know we're we are called by god to be the leaders in the culture we're supposed to be the leaders. We should be. We have the truth. We have the truth, the only truth. The word of God is the truth. And it is light. And it is life. And so in our lives, we need to be light. We need to be speaking the truth. People are dying because they're not, they don't know where to go today for truth. My son is teaching at his church. Uh, going through the spiritual armor of God. And one of the points he's in his very introduction, he made real clear, we are in a war. We need to realize this is a battleground. This is not a playground. Once you're saved, God has now called you to the battleground. And the thing about it is it's a beautiful battleground because the battle belongs to the Lord. We just step on the battlefield. And then God takes it from there. But I mean, we, we, we have to become equipped. It's kind of like a soldier going into boot camp. And that's why it's so important. Daily, we go to our Bible. We read our Bible. We need our kids to see that we're reading our Bible. And that is a fundamental that we, we must know. And for any parents that are listening or watching, let me give you this encouragement. Uh, we did our best 
you know, in those younger years of our kids. We knew that we couldn't just turn them over to the public school system. And I was making very little, I mean, learning, basically making a living as best as I could. And, but we still found a way to get our kids into Christian school. But then by the time my oldest one got into the high school years, we couldn't afford it anymore. And he wanted to go into the high school anyway. Um, when he left school and he went to college and he came back after his first year, he was actually weeping on the couch one day. And he doesn't do that. He's not an emotional child. He wasn't. And he said, you know, I've seen what the world has for wisdom. Now I want to find out what God has to say. And he, he later on, sometimes we would share messages in front of groups of people. And he said this one time, he said, the thing that made a difference to me, he says, I remember, I remember watching my dad every morning when I would get up and I'd be getting ready for school. He would be sitting on the couch. He would be reading his Bible. He said that I figured if it's important enough for him, if it's that big of a deal, I need to do that myself. I need to find out what it's all about. So don't, you know, I wasn't the perfect father by any means. And, and God can go past all of those. But we do need to be the model. And that's where the model begins. If, you, if you're not a studious reader of the word, find a way to do it. Even if you can read five minutes, 10 minutes, and maybe increase it to 30 minutes, but that is the most important thing you can do. And then live it in your life. Don't, and confess when you get things wrong, be real. Absolutely, definitely. The intake of God's word, living it out, being humble. Uh, yeah. If you're listening, this is, I mean, this is stuff we we as believers need to do because then, because our kids need to see that and our grandkids need to see that and see that it is that important. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and so um, Rogers, we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, it's, it's been challenging, encouraging. Um, if, if our listeners want to know more about you, want to find out about your materials, where would you like them to go? Well, our website is Greater Than I Ministries. Um, easy way is gtimin.com. Gtimin.com. Oh, I love it. So if you're listening, uh, gtimin.com, we're going to put those in the show notes for everybody listening so you can check them out. Make sure to check out their video curriculum, all the other resources to equip your family. Um, just to be able to walk faithfully and be aware of, of all of the fiery arrows of the evil one that are, that are coming at us. So, uh, so Roger, this has been a, a joy today. Thank you for accepting the invite. This has been wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, and Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at 
you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.